Okay, it's a big schus. Everybody made it to Shia three hours after they got home from Slichus. It's already a good sign for Yom and Aram. We're going to start Parak Yedzayin, Pasuk Aleph. We started to introduce the last Melech of Malchai Yisrael, of the Asaras Hashvatim. Unfortunately, last Melech. It would have been a very nice ending had it been the last Melech because he went up to Shalayim together with all the people and presented themselves and joined Shevet Yehuda and reunited, which is something we've been waiting for in this year for about two years and in Klai Yisrael for about 2,000 years. But not going to happen. Usually I tell you that ahead of time, but that's actually this parak. Uh, what happened to the Aser Shashvatim? What will happen to them? We are going to discuss the Prakim to come, because the Gullus is going to happen in a few different stages. So we have yet to discuss exactly who's going where, who goes into Gullus first, second, but this is the beginning of the unraveling, and it's going to be under his watch. What we noted, which is very ironic, and we're going to discuss that now, is that out of the bunch of Malchei Rishayim in the Aseris HaShvatim, Hoshea is not the worst of them. As a matter of fact, he's the only one to even propose what he will propose about taking the guards away and giving free access on Kfish Aleph for the people who want to be able to regal to be able to regal. And instead of being a schus, it's going to end up to be more of a kitrig. Simple shot will be that they're waiting for this chus and there were no doubt people complaining, if only we had access, if only we had the opportunity, and the opportunity came and it was not used, not used to the fullest. Who's a Melech Russia as well, but uh, as we know in Yehuda there's a lot more good to come. Not with Achaz, but with his son. Malach Hashem ben Ela b'Shemrim al Yisrael Teisha Shanim. Marantinus mentions that one of the many reasons why we celebrate Tu Ba'av is because that was the day Hashem ben Ela took down the guards. My theory in that Gemara is that it's a day for Shaduchim. So all the things have to do with Shaduchim somewhere, somehow. Is that the uh, Shaduch market? It came much wider, and the ability of people to rejoin their distant cousins and uh, integrate the Shvatim opportunity posed itself when he took down the guards and again was not utilized. But some people used it. Some people used it all the years when the guards were there. I'm sure that people who snuck in tried to smuggle themselves in, people who were caught, people who weren't caught. Now there's more integration. Yeah, hence Moshe Duchen. That's the context of the Gemara and Tainus, the last Sugen Tainus. So even though uh, he's not going to go and had no intention of going, there's already some positive of those who wanted to be in Yehuda together with the Beis Hamikdash, together with the Tzadikim there. And there were enough Tzadikim in the Assessor Shvatim to want to join, which is going to help us. Whatever you say about the Assessor Shvatim, they're assimilated, they're gone, they're on the other side of the Sambachon. Whatever pshad you say, there are going to be 12 Shvatim Lassalava, 
And throughout the ages, there have been from the Ten Shvatim among us. You might be from one of them. Might be somebody here from Zvon, from uh, Yisachar. A lot of good Shvatim out there. They're all good. And there were people living in the district of Yehuda Minyama the whole time. And in this parak, more of them. It was a trickle. Was it 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000? But it wasn't uh, 100,000. It wasn't a million. And that was the tragedy. But the good news, which I always like to highlight, is that there will be ten shvatim, and the yechidim, the families from the shvatim, will regroup and grow again. So even if they're not coming back, even if they're not somewhere and they're going to come back as a large group, even if they're assimilated and gone, we're still going to have 12 shvatim. Again, Again, <laughs> Not as bad. Take a look at the copy you have in front of you from the Amos of the Yaakov. And there are a number of possibilities how to learn what happened here through the eyes of Chazal. Brings down Rashi, which we mentioned already. The Rashi, first column. He finally got rid of the army and the guards, and most people still didn't go up. Dafka in his time is when their fate was sealed, and they're going to start going into Golis. Why? Until then, they had the right to say, nope, we'd like to go, but we can't. It's not Yehovah even though I should point out their entire Ruchnius seemed to be at stake. It's not Yehovah to do a Lila Regal, but to move from a neighborhood where most people are doing a Vodazara to a neighborhood where there's more Kedusha and only some people are doing a Vodazara, which was Yushalayim and its suburbs, would probably be, you can't pin it on any one particular point in time, but uh, it's probably Yehovah because your whole Ruchnius is at stake. Yes, which is why the Chavetz Chaim and many others told people not to move to the Trefa Medina because if you don't drop your children in the harbor, the children will. And that's exactly what happened. Those sitting here are the exceptions. And some of them aren't even exceptions. If you did it yourself and became from, then it's not a raya. Those who are Ben HaChabem, the people who are from, are the exceptions. And uh, it's scary. People don't understand. We're not going to get into it now whenever we mention anything about the Holocaust. Uh, it's, always, uh, it's always misquoted and misunderstood. But uh, in the context of uh, there were people who were told 10, 20 years beforehand, uh, you can't go. No one was told the year beforehand. Everybody was told, get out if you can. But maybe they'd be alive. It's, maybe. And maybe uh, statistically, more probably, they might be physically alive, they wouldn't be Jewish. Their grandchildren wouldn't be Jewish. Who's to know Klape Shamaya? We usually understand that the uh, fact that the Neshama is alive is more important than the Guf. That's why there are things that Yehovah like Avarazar, Kirvayash Fikhazdam, and you're entire from Kite. On paper, that's Pashit, Semin Kufnun Zayin, you're there. But when you say it in the context, oh, everybody always gets very nervous, and understandably so. But just to understand the MS, it's quite clear when faced the decision, do you give up. Uh, all of Terah Mitzvahs, the Frumkite, and the future Deiris, 
that they should be Jewish and from versus uh, being in a place that's more comfortable. It's not much of a contest, although it's an Isayan. And over here, they had an opportunity to move. I don't believe, and I'm trying to answer the Kashis about the raise. And that is, uh, how can this be? They're going to Gullus for this? It's one mitzvah. So this is what they're going to Gullus for? That's what we're going to discuss right now. The, the answer would seem to be it wasn't about this one mitzvah. It was about not staying in the district of the Asar Shvatim where things were completely out of control and being brave enough to move to Yehuda where things were somewhat out of control. But what made this more challenging is the time of Ochaz. So people might figure, I'm going to move from this Trefa neighborhood and go under the jurisdiction of that Russia? What do I gain? That makes it complicated. But if you look at... That's what I'm saying. It's a tricky subject. Like, what do I, what do I gain? Like, you know... The answer is, yes, it's a very, it was a contemporary Shiloh in the 30s and 40s, and it wasn't simple. There were people who moved back to Europe and didn't survive. The question is, did they survive? Did the Neshama survive? Did the Guf survive? You know, could you survive at Eitzel then as a, as a from person? Yes. Was it challenging? Extremely. Just look at the history books. I'm not making this up, and I'm not a Kanai, and uh, just look, look at the facts. It's a very frightening thing. So over here, they look at it and they say, okay, the guards are down. Let's go join the regime of Ochaz, Kavaldik. Closing all the shuls, Beis Like, what do we gain? The people on the ground were still in a higher Madriga. There was still more Teira and more Kedusha near Yerushalayim. So that's not only about the specific mitzvah three times a year, but Lila was a much greater issue over here. And Chazal say in many different places that any Daryl of Malcolm Teira even if you're asking me to be the Rav in wherever, that's a separate Shailah, so how do you go out and do Kir? So you have to examine each Sugi, but it's a mission of us. And you're in Sakana, and your children are in Sakana, and you have to be in the right place. doesn't mean you can't be out of town. It means you need a support system. And you have to be in a place where it's most likely to have an environment your children have who to hang around with and have a positive influence. And I believe that's what this is all about. But he's going to raise the question, and one of the answers is going to be similar to this. Elliot, you had a question? So again, Barashi, Fishabitlu, Pardesiyah, Vayim Nimnu, Malal, Slaregel, Fichon, Nechtam, Gzardinam, Lugalas, Biyam, Avshad, Asher, Telu, Hakalkala, Bimachem, Atalahaya, Bimi, Lutlus. And they couldn't blame it on the king anymore because the king allowed them to go. Probably made it clear he wasn't going anywhere, he wanted his job. But he allowed them to go. Our question is, this is what seals their fate? They didn't do Ali Laregal? So first tarots he offers, quite a few, like Abodazar and many others. There's always a straw that breaks the camel's back. And he quotes in the footnote, the Masha has this Mahalach. What's shot in that? So, before we read footnote 707, uh, I think, and I'm fascinated why he doesn't bring it up, I think the shot is as we just said. It wasn't just about the Lila Regal, it was about where you put yourself and which society you find yourself. And that is the most important decision you can be making in your life. Yes? It's a little hard to understand. For generations, they didn't have a concept of a little rigor because it was, it was all limits. They don't have a. You're, you're tining. Uh, for something that they didn't, that they didn't have any. You're saying they were a Tinish and Ishbab. 
So uh, we're going to bring this up again, the Kibbutz of Am Shia soon, but as we have mentioned uh, this past year, a couple of times, the Tzinech Shanishba is bandied around and overused. And if you know what's going on and you have access to the information and you close your ears and your eyes, it's not an excuse. Shlomo Zalman, Rabbi Yashiv, and many others say that about Yidin and Eitz Yisrael, even though they're Yidin and Tel Aviv, Nebuchadnezzar never been to the council. But they're there, and they see it, and if you want to know the Amis, you know the Amis. And others say, there's still a concept of a Tzinech Shanishba. And it's where, depends what access, is an individual question, yes. It's interesting. Simcha is one aspect over here, uh, as you're suggesting, they didn't even think about the mitzvah for a while. You do something, but simcha, you have to do beslavis, you have to be familiar with it here. It's like a foreign thing, like, oh, we can go? Uh, which road? How do you do this? So I don't know, the first time, how much simcha is going to have, but um, yes, had they been enthusiastic about it in the first place, more people would have tried to run the line and smuggle themselves through. But I, I don't think it's limited to just the specific alila regal. I think it's a question of alila regal, the purpose of the mitzvah. It's a tremendous thing, this mitzvah. Without modern travel, you live in Haifa, you live in Rosh Hashanah, you live in the Galil. You know what a difficult journey this was? Pick up the whole family. I have uh, 12 kids, they're coming and packing up, and uh, there are no, uh, no rest stops, and uh, you have to do it yourself. It was so difficult. Shmuel Aleph opens with O'Connor trying to revive the mitzvah. It was always difficult. And from Tzara Agra, but to do a specific mitzvah like this, Pesimcha, you'd have to have an attachment to the Ruchni. It's the purpose of the mitzvah is three times a year to get that shot in the arm, so to speak. That uh, all the rates as well as Kedusha, but wherever you lived, it wasn't Yushalayim. They go see the Vesamitish, go see the Akainim, Bavadasam, Kedukhanam, and go see all the Sadiqim and all the people learning, and you come back very, very uh, infused with Kedusha. That was the purpose. Here, they're living in a land where there's very little Kedusha, a lot of Vodazar going on, and yet Ahab and Izevel and all sorts of shenanigans. And not only didn't they get a shot in the arm, as you suggested, it's been years and decades and decades and decades where they even saw such a thing. But they still knew about it. That was, that's why it's not so posh at the Ratzin Shanishba. It's actually experiencing feeling a, a pull to something that they're being denied all this time, but at this point it's not the same. Yes, I'm saying so. At least look at the Sur Meirat. That's why I'm adding what I'm, what I'm bringing up and that they might not have known what they were missing, but they certainly knew enough that this wasn't Yiddishkeit. So just get out of there for the Sur Meirat. Forget the mitzvah of Alila Regal. That's my suggestion to answer this question. Yes? Maybe to find the priorities. So if they were doing the Bazaar at the same time and they would have done this, right. then they're still grappling between the two. If they didn't even do this, then this is secondary. That's just. Yes, you're being Malamis Chus, why they didn't go up? No, the other way. No, in other words, that's why it was such a kitchen. In other words, if they were dabbling in a bunch of things, why not try this? You're saying that's why it was a kitchen. No, if they would have done this at the same time, then right. they have a Yates of Hara. Right. Then this is such a by them that Right, right. Which is a stira. They were capable of doing this because most of these people are still putting on tefillin. They're doing a Zara and they're still going to Tashkamamin and doing a Zara. So they were capable of understanding that what they have in place is certainly not a perfect scenario. And there is a Kosh Baruch and there is an Avedis Hashem. So, like you're saying, so why not take it to the next level? 
to find out more. It's not like they knew nothing. We're not talking about assimilated Yidin from Idaho who knew nothing and saw nothing. They had Nevi'im still. Well, they had access to the information, yes. To me, that part of the Hamdiyas Regal is self-imposed gullus. You're walking from far away to a different place. You're upgrading from your home. If you need to make Nida, if you're not going to do this in a small self-imposed way, it's logical to say that, you know, you're going to have goals. That's the 707 is going to talk about. I know that that's going to be a steam. Take a look, as a matter of fact. 707 in the footnote. It's a promise, which is a nace. Not too many chumish that promise an ongoing nace. Here we have a mitzvah three times a year. And the promise is that while you're gone, this is before ADT. What's that security company? Uh, is that the name of the famous? Uh, so they didn't have, uh, most farmers didn't have the money to hire people. You left for a trip that Yantav was a week, and the trip might have been a couple weeks in either direction. We know that from uh, the beginning of Tainus. It took them a while to get back, so they didn't start asking for Geshem, so it shouldn't rain on their heads. And you packed up and packed out the entire family, Picture Rahmala Islam, what goes on in uh, places where most of the community leads to the bungalow colony. And then the men are still coming back to work. And there are sometimes Loyalena were issues. Here you have a farm already sitting on a tract of land, a little house, and nobody around, and they leave. So that's an invitation. And you didn't have to figure out when they were going to the bungalow colony. You have to start checking your calendar. It's, it's Memorial Day. It's uh, July 4th. Everybody knew when Pesach, Shuas, and Sukkot was. So the Ganavim can really cash in. And it's obvious. Like, what are you gonna, they're going to come in, take all the cows, all the sheep, uh, take all the crop, depending uh, when it is. Certainly, Sukkot's time, they already have everything wrapped up and in the silos. So the Pasuk promises, Don't worry, you can go. And against the Teva, Ganavim are not going to come and take everything and destroy the place. That's an ace. Ha, the diak is, im lo salu, If you don't come up, yachmadu atzuchem. And the diak over here is that I'm giving you a special promise. The flip side is, if you don't go while you're there, when you think, okay, Ganavim aren't coming now because I'm here, Ganavim can come into the house, you have a parish above Mount Ganavim can come, Rahman when you're home. So here we have the irony, and there are many chazals that speak about this. The people uh, went and they came back, and the, the neighbors who were interested in breaking in uh, uh, saw them and said, oh, you were here the whole time, you didn't do all the regals. What are you talking about? I was gone for three weeks. He said, I don't know, I heard noise, people going in. Shem sent malachim to uh, make the place lively so nobody comes in. In other cases, wild animals were sent to protect the place. It's amazing. So if you don't go and you don't avail yourself to this special bracha, even if you're there, it could become a problem. Famous medrash, we learned this over here. Novus hayakayla na. In a beautiful voice. Good person, and he always did the mitzvah of Lila Regal in a wonderful way. Not only did he go, but he performed. And he performed in the base of Mitish. You call yourself Miss Kansin Lishmaya Kailoi. And it was a big draw. You're saying, big draw. Is that a Maila Chisarin? What are you going to the Basimitish for? To hear the concert? The answer is Chalamai, Simchas Basishreva. 
Want to hear a nice concert if the music is Jewish? If the music is Jewish? Um, when the music is Jewish? So then you have a wonderful opportunity. Get an Ali and Ruchnius. And Kavaldik, so Novus was a star. And people came, and people who would waver and didn't think that they can go, and it's too much, and packing up, they would think, oh, we're going to miss the Novus concert. Maybe I'm making it sound too American. But I did say it has to be Jewish. So uh, Novus was in concert, and he did it, and he did it, and he did it. You know, every time you do it, and they ask him again, again, one more, one more nigun, and you get tired. And one year, he said, you know what, I need a break. Let somebody else do it. Not a paid performance, it's not my parnasah. And he didn't go, and we know what happened. Achav all of a sudden took notice of his vineyard. Why didn't he notice it before? And says he should have noticed it before, but he had the Pusik protecting him that no one's going to be chaymed your land if you do a lila regal. And when he stopped doing a lila regal, that's when he noticed his vineyard. And then he asked him, and he said no, and then Izevel had him killed. Now, is not singing in the choir a chi of Misa? I hope not. Can't sing in the choir. The answer is not about singing in the choir. Hashem gave him this uh, talent, and he didn't use his talent, he didn't use the opportunity, he didn't inspire others. And for that, uh, the flip side of the Pusik went into effect. His voice, his talent. And that's why the Pasuk says, When you go and you schlep and you do the right thing, you do a that's when you're going to have the bracha. If you don't do it and you stay home and you don't use your talents, that's where Radafka gets dangerous. And um, the point over here, I think, he's getting at is the point we raised before. It's not just about the Lila Regal. It's about seizing an opportunity. And over here, these people should have understood that it's time to unite Klai Yisrael. That would have been the best case scenario. And if we can't do that, it's time to worry about our own Ruchnius and get out of town and go to the right place because the influence over here and the Ruach is not going in the right direction. And... uh, that initiative wasn't seized, and that's part of the problem. That's the backdrop over here. Let's go back to the Pusik. Pusik Gimel. Allah, 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 Shamanessa, Melech Ashur, Vehilah, Shea, Eved, Vayashiv, La Mincha. So he's king for nine years. But as a last warning, so to speak, he's already invaded by Ashur, and Ashur makes them a vassal state, and he's a puppet king. He left him on the throne. There's no reason you shouldn't leave an administrator in town when you invade a country. You've got to have some governor there. The Romans later put in their own governors, but... He was doing a, an okay job, they just wanted taxes, and he left them there with a fair warning that you better behave. He didn't behave after a while. Why not? If you're on the throne and you get paid a decent salary and you have the title of king, even though you're a puppet of sorts, we would think it's Kedai to keep the job. 
So there's an inherent midah in human beings of merida. They don't like being told what to do. Some of Farshim suggest in a more positive note that Hoshea wasn't too from, but he wasn't as bad as the other ones, and he had backbone, and he had Jewish pride, and he had this Havamina, which hard for us to understand, that we don't have to be a vassal state, uh, we don't need Asher telling us what to do, and he's going to rebel and get some allies and throw the yoke off. Nope. We're going to yet see Chizkiyahu Melech is going to take that stance against Asher and win. Only after he was told by the Navi to do so. And he knew he had the schusim, and the Navi knew he had the schusim. And Koshbacha told him, go ahead and run with the schusim. Great. Asaras Shvadim didn't have the schusim, and Hoshea didn't have the schusim. And when you flex your muscle with Jewish pride without Avedis Hashem behind it, it's a very toxic situation. And done many times. You gotta be careful. This is not all about, uh, for those of you who remember the expression, never again. Uh, we hope never again. We daven never again. Uh, never again depends on many complicated golas chashbenus and gula chashbenus and avedis Hashem. It doesn't mean you do avedis Hashem, you're not gonna have any programs of Holocaust. Clearly, that's not a guarantee in gullahs, but it has nothing to do with the uh, type of gun you're holding. What, it, what was it, a 22? Every Jew a 22? Something like that. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. Does that mean you can never practice self defense? No. The Warsaw Ghetto uprising uh, was uh, given a Hechshe Shnepel, Tachas Hashkachas, Ramanacham Zemba, Shem Yikam Dama, Gain Adir, and he was in the Warsaw Ghetto. He was there. And when they realized there was absolutely no hope, uh, he said, go ahead. He was killed, as was everybody else at the end. But at that point, uh, Jewish pride to show uh, blood's not uh, free and not cheap. You know, kill every Nazi, save every bullet. But that's a different scenario. So he's rebelling. Okay, we don't have a rule that we never do this, but you have to figure out when there's a Havamina and when you have sanction from HaKadosh Baruch which in Gullus is very difficult without having a Nevi'im, but the Nevi'im and the Assessor Shvatim and Chizgiyo is going to succeed because the Navi gave him tremendous Chizik. He's going on an ally depending on Mitzrayim. Uh, we're now here thousands of years later and we look back, that's your ally, Mitzrayim? We're thrilled if we could have a cold peace with them for decades, which we've had. I'm um, uh, old enough to remember Menachem Begin and Jimmy Carter and Sadat um, standing on the lawn. What? Who? Sadat? Sadat has a lot of blood. He's not the worst of all of them, but he has a tremendous, uh, tremendous blood in his hands. Only he was just practical. He was just practical. He was not a good guy. Uh, he was not a good guy. Now, I didn't want to mention, no, I said Dafka because... Menachem Bacon wasn't uh, was far from perfect, but he was probably the most orthodox of all of them. And the uh, and Carter is Carter; he's still alive. So I don't see about Carter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but uh, that's that's an old. He's still alive. The chapter's still being written, but I wanted to separate him from uh, from the other uh, the other two. Not that I'm necessarily a fan of uh, Carter, but uh, we actually, uh, without being overly sichon, remember we we had him in a Shabbos Shuvah not that long ago. Uh, where he once expressed some anivas in front of a yid. Remember that one? 
Yanam, you have to talk to Yaakov about that. He's the one who wrote the article. Yeah. Okay, but that's a different schmooze. But he, he was a Russia. He had a lot of blood. Sadat was the one who almost destroyed Barry Tisrael and Yom Kippur. I mean, uh, he, was, he was a bad guy. Uh, no, he was practical. I wouldn't call that tshuva. Rile Dover, where was he killed? Do you remember when, when and where Sadat was killed? He was sitting in the stands reviewing the great victory of the Yom Kippur War. So besides being a chakran and hallucinating, he, yes, yes, yes. And they, they gunned him down. That's what he was doing. Hashem got him. The king of Midas is awesome. Hashem killed him when he was reviewing the, with Nachas all the Jews he killed in the Yom Kippur War and the tremendous victory. That's when he was gunned down. We've got to review the history a little bit. Uh, you'll see. Uh, so... That's good. You guys don't let one phrase go by. It's good. Make, I explained it now for those who didn't know, didn't know what I meant, but that's what I meant. So, um, getting back to the um, Camp David, that's where it was, if I remember correctly, just a few years ago. So, everybody was cringing, they're holding hands there, and they're giving back uh, the Sinai and Yamit and the whole mess there. And the, this is horrible. Interesting. Uh, Begin, uh, say what you want about him. I'm not here to. Praise or not to general politics level of Frumkai, to leave that to Akash Baruch of course, but uh, he's the only one who brought some sort of peace for quite a few decades. He didn't have any hallucinations, I'll use the word, any Havamina that the Egyptians were our friends. He just wanted to put a system in place. People say, how can you trust him? It's not a question of trust. The Americans are giving them billions of dollars. They'll behave because they want the money. It was uh, a very good deal in that regard in terms of uh, keeping it in a holding pattern, which it did, and it still does. The Americans are still giving the money. And the Lamaisa, they were the main aggressors in the war and the biggest army, and it's too dangerous. And after four wars, and uh, what happened in 67 was a tremendous Sisyat and the Yom Kippur War was... Uh, very frightening and came too close and they just couldn't keep on doing it. So you want to call on Egypt, call on the Mitzrayim to just leave us alone with some incentives? Okay. Give them back some land that's not out to stroll anyway? Okay. He was right on that issue. There are people screaming and yelling about whether you need a buffer zone. So he said, I also want a buffer zone, but we can't have everything. That's part of negotiations. He used to bring an old bad joke about the riot that Sunday wasn't out to stroll, but they found some oil there. It's a raya, it's not Eretz Yisrael. Why is that a raya? It's not Eretz Yisrael. Chumash says that has a lot of natural resources. The answer is, yeah, but Hashem clearly dropped oil all over the Middle, Middle East. Hashem didn't miss Eretz Yisrael. There's a reason. The reason is that there should be this balance of power with the Gullus conditions that uh, a lot of the world needs the Arabs because they have the oil. That's part of Gullus. So uh, they found some nice deposits of some gas in the, in the, uh, off the coast, and it uh, wouldn't surprise me if lots of love will find pl- plenty of oil, but not now. They're still in Gulls. So uh, you want to take them as a quote-unquote um, not-so-friendly ally just to keep the peace fine. He's reaching out to them to join him to rebel against Ashur. Uh, that, unfortunately, is not going to work. And uh, Melech Ashur finds out about it, and of course, sign of rebellion, you've got to stop paying taxes. And then the IRS and Asher realizes it, and that shows you're rebelling. Well, Melech Asher was very swift and decisive, and he found out about it, and he comes and he arrests him and throws him into jail. 
Good thing for him, he didn't execute him. Why? Probably didn't want to create a martyr right now. Whatever his reason was, but the uh, rebellion never got off the ground. And now Melech Asher is good and angry. And now he comes to Shemran, comes to the capital, and lays siege for three years. And we're not going to end on a bad note, so we're going to stop before Pasuk Vav and go to the Peleids. Even though the siege is not a great note, but at least we didn't get to the end of the war. Uh, is there a share next week? Well, I was assuming people are going to fight their tiredness uh, better than their hunger, and I was right about the uh, tiredness. Uh, it's a tightness next week. There's a lot of sleepless, so... Uh, Three days of eating beforehand. What? Three days of eating beforehand. Three days of eating beforehand. So you would vote? I mean, I could take a poll, but then you guys uh, have to all show up. Uh, Want to share next week? I can give it. What? It's a made chuva. Everybody's in chuva mode. Okay, Rafi, that means you're going to be here. I saw that hand. <coughs> Didn't go that high, but okay. So, Mitzvah Shem, uh, we'll try to have, um, I don't know when the first Shacharis ends, but whenever it does, by the end of the lake, we'll try to uh, at least have uh, half hour's worth. Okay, so just uh, remind me on the uh, schedule the next Shabbos. We are in the middle of Bizayan, which is a crucial entry for Tshuva. We spoke about it last night. And yesterday afternoon on Shabbos, the ability to give yourself a proper assessment, and even if it's a bit uh, self-depreciating, if you call it, in terms of really brutally, honestly assessing what you have not done yet, while once in a while giving yourself a pat on the back for what you have accomplished, but a healthy balance. We're up to paragraph number three on page Nun Zion. That was how you assess yourself and uh, don't worry about your covet so much. And following with that is what happens if somebody else embarrasses you. Which, if it happened before Rosh Hashanah, that's one more kapara you could take into Rosh Hashanah. Obviously, easier said than done. The theme we're going to discuss over Rosh Hashanah this year is and the uh, aspect, which is a very large topic and not very well defined. We're going to try to define it, but people misunderstand. When can I have tainas? The guy just embarrassed me for robbing. He can't have tainas. He can't have taina. What, what can you do about it? The is saying that uh, you should try not to focus on it and just accept it. This is a sign from Shemayim. It's all due to Averis. And he's a shliach, so don't shoot the messenger. Even though, unfortunately, he's going to get punished and he had no right to do it. But my job is not to deal with the messenger, it's to deal with the message. What David HaMelech said, after Shimi was mavazim and cursed him and threw rocks at him. Mitzad acher yismach liboy ki Hashem chafez daka b'yisurim kalim. And the positive side, the first positive uh, indication is you're getting a message to try to internalize it and grow. The second part is that if you're going to take uh, yisurim bite size, by Shalshuz, we're discussing the Rambam, different levels of kapara. For an asi, you do tshuva and you forgive it on the spot. For a say she'en bakaris, tshuva and yom kippur. 
for Allah to say, Sheesh Bakaris and Mises Basin, Chuva Yom Kippur, and Yusurim. Yusurim have to come, Rahman Loslan. Question is how? So we beg for Midas Arachimim, it should be bite sized, something we can handle, it doesn't bring us down. And that's his mentioning over here that at the end of the day, sticks and stones may break my bones. And uh, names shall never harm me, and at least I didn't lose money, and I didn't get hurt. And I'm breathing, I'm living. Again, being embarrassed by Robin can be more painful than a, than a punch. But uh, we're going to have to talk about the uh, barichas of Rosh Hashanah. When it comes to Lasika Velasita, what's worse? He, he hit you physically or he took money? Uh, most people polled. If you ask, do you want to lose a million dollars or get punched ten times? They would say, uh, roll up their sleeve and say, get going. So the question is, the Syria goof, money. But this wasn't any of them. He, so somebody called him a name and screamed at him. Okay, it's still the Pelliad's opinion, the lightest of all of them. Again, there can be cases where the Bizayan is, uh, is more of a Gehenim, but love Davka. Hashem chafet Daka b'Yisurim Kalim there's no loss of money. to end the aver and get rid of it. And this is considered better for him. The kapara depends on how you receive it. This is a madrega. We'd be happy if we just don't get thrown off kilter. But the higher madrega is makabal ba'avo besimcha. Interesting. We look at this as tremendous madrega. The Gemara says that this is really why it's sent and this is better than the alternative if you know how to handle it. Which, again, is a madrega. And there are 101 gradations of how well you handle it. But that's what we should be working on. Be very careful with the covet of others in general. Certainly somebody who you were makabal hanar from and he benefited you in various ways, even once. You shouldn't even embarrass food. We're careful with uh, covering food and not embarrassing them. Food is in inanimate object, we don't, uh, we obviously understand that the, the food doesn't feel anything, and we hear the din, and we don't really understand, like, what does the challah care? The answer is the challah doesn't really care, is to train us that even inanimate object like food, you got benefit from it, you treat it well. Clothing, you treat well, per our example with Dovon Melech, and we just spoke about this on Shabbos as well, and he didn't... Uh, once he didn't treat the clothing properly, even though he had no choice. Under the circumstances, he didn't have any paper and pen to leave a note. And his madrega, he still suffered for it. So, it's uh, clothing. The answer is, you treat everything like that. You are constantly fine-tuning your midas in this department. And David was so honed in on this, on his madrega, he got punished for it. Vamru bira deshasis maya latishte be kolo. There are many expressions in English that talk about the had Hanaf in this well once upon a time. Don't stop it up and don't throw rocks in. The most famous example, Rashi and Chumash brings it down. He was given a direct seaway by Gaj Baruch Hu. Start the Makis. Hit the yard. He understood that hit the yard doesn't mean he should hit it. It means he should bring iron. 
uh, we never would have come to this conclusion. The yard, you got a big ocean. I was saved once. I was, the ocean didn't save me. Hashem saved me. Miriam watched me. My mother put me in. What's that to do with the ocean? But if you cultivate this midah perfectly, it's even the ocean. Interesting. You have a, should you join a class action lawsuit against United Airlines? Somebody once asked me this. He said he's flown with them for decades, always had positive service, actually got friendly with a few of the pilots, some of the administration. He was a cultural businessman, and he was, uh, he was a big customer. And one time they did, you know, we've seen the news, one time they did something uh, which they probably had a legal right to do, but it wasn't done right, and was this United? I forget which airline. And uh, everybody jumps on the bandwagon, you know, should I sue them, everything. This particular guy said, you know, I don't know if you'll make money, you won't make money, he doesn't need the money, you had Hanar from this well. So even though it's a halacha, I can't say it's a big corporate entity. Uh, you know, the, the pilot that he uh, is friendly with uh, probably wasn't uh, flying the plane. But you had a lot of Hanar. They did a good job most of the time. You don't always have to wear a very trigger-happy lawsuit country. Uh, you don't always have to jump on the bandwagon, especially uh, an organization that you've had a lot of benefit from. Ah, but you paid for the tickets. At business class, they charge you triple from what it costs. And he was flying business in first. I paid for all that, he told me. I said, yeah, you paid for it. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't uh, take any money out of the Egyptian economy when he floated down the Nile either. So he didn't take anything from the Nile. Still, this is the object he got. So there is such a, is such a concept and important to focus on. Okay, Mitzvah Shem will continue next week.